I'm Allison Knowlton Mason. I'm Stanley Bradley, and we're friends turned family, getting together to tell stories, laugh, observe, and think. This is the family meeting. All right, so here we are, last episode of season two, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that at the end, but we have one of our favorite people, of course, all of our guests have been our favorite people, but one of our favorite people joining us today to talk about wellness. Welcome, Anis. Hi, thank you for having me. We're We're excited excited to to talk to you. Um, you know, you and I talk all the time. I mean, anyway, we <laughs> so, talked already today. today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we are um, going to take you know, one of our many conversations to, to the to the people. But um, you are, I mean, in my mind, literally like the source of ha. No pun intended. When we find out your business name, the source of all. Uh, knowledge of wellness for me like I'm like if somebody's like hey this is the thing to do with wellness I'm like does Anis do that I'm like if Anis doesn't do that no I don't I, I would have to research that but that's not worth it I'll just do what Anis does and so we're very excited to share yes. you with the world because this is who you are so uh we'll start how we start with everybody else tell us who you are and how you know us yeah, well, first of all, thank you for that. Um, that makes the warms my heart because I, I do like to be able to share information with people. So um, especially specifically around wellness and food, which is very much so linked to wellness. Very so connected, yes. Talk yes. about that. Um, so who am I? I I'm going to say I am terrible at answering this question and I am grown, so I should be able to do it. And some people have really eloquent ways of doing this. I don't have an eloquent way of doing this. So I'm going to give it like real high level quick. Um, and we can get into it. So I'm a city girl. I was born in New York City. I was raised in LA, which is where I am now. Um, but I did all of the like growing up, growing up and like cultural awakening stuff um, of my blackness in Atlanta, going to Spelman, um, and where I stayed, met my husband and lived for almost 20 years. So um, that's like where I'm from. Culturally, um, I'm a second generation American. Um, I am born to a Jamaican father and a mother of um, Honduran descent. And um, although my mom has two uh, other children, so I have half siblings, uh, I was raised as an only child um, by a single parent, so by my father here in LA. So it's like very I think those things are really foundational to who I am and like I will reference those pieces of me I think pretty often if you know me um, that's something that comes up and so um, when I think about work I in Atlanta and this is where I met both of you I worked at Teach for America for 11 years um, in operations uh, and lots of different facets of operations I never taught anybody I don't know anything about <laughs> dealing with anybody's child I am I am not the one to help your child with anything and I, I can't teach um, children, but I worked at Teach for America for 11 years, which is where I met Allison and we held the same role for a portion of that time. And we became work wives and supported each other. We became, um, friends in real life. And so that is how we are still connected, um, today. And then obviously through my relationship with Allison, I met Stan because Stan is a part of Allison's family. Obviously that's why we're here. And so, um, I don't know the first time I met Stan, but I, I, I know that it's like, he was there. Yeah. You were there. So (laughs) that's how I met you, Stan. 
that's what I think that's so funny. That's what everybody says. It's like, I met one of us and they're like, the other person was just there. That's exactly right. It's always nice when they have a pinpoint. I'm like, oh yeah, no, yeah, that first thing. But generally it's just, we're just here together. <laughs> um, so what are you up to in life right now? Oh my goodness. It is such an interesting, I mean, I think this past, I don't know, whatever we're saying 18 months, but it's gotta be more than 18 months now because time keeps going. But since the pandemic, um, time, it's a really interesting time for me specifically because it, I left teach for America during this time. So I had been there for 11 years. I had known that it was time for me to leave for a while. And I had communicated that to managers and to everybody knew I was like, I need to leave. And I, and I was ready to leave, to focus on working in the health and wellness space. That's something that I am passionate about. And so when that time of transition happened, I, I was, it was great. It happened during the pandemic and I feel super blessed to have been able to stop. Like I didn't jump into another job, which is not something that I ever thought I would do. I, I paused for a long time and started to think about what does it look like to work in this space? And so in this, in this moment, I, you know, I've been talking to people and building relationships, but also started Source House. And so um, Source House is really a place for me to be able to share and build community uh, around topics of health and wellness and non-toxic living. And it is, you know, a space that is meant to feel welcoming to all. So the wellness space, I think, as you all know, and if you look out into the, like this, the product space or anything like that, it can feel really exclusionary, specifically to people of color, a lot of times around um, lines of class as well. And it can feel complicated and confusing. There's a lot, people are pushing a lot of different products and things at people and it feels overwhelming. And so when I, when I was kind of interrogating how I got, to the, this became a priority for me, how some, it was something that was really special for me it was more about peeling back to what was about thinking about like, what is at the source? What was my great grandmother doing, right? Like, why did mm -hmm. she live so long? Why mm -hmm. was she so healthy? Like what was going on? And it's not all of these new products, which I love. I love products and serums, but it's about like really simply, like what does our body need? What, what's in our essence? How do we get back to what was? And so that it was the, the premise of Source House. And that is what I'm trying to, to build is a space for people to learn and grow and interrogate what, what is foundational to them and to get to their, to, to what wellness is, to what well is for them. Um, and then eventually to, to be able to create product and things like that, that are necessary, that are purposeful and that can support that journey of wellness. Um, that's where yeah. I am. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, goes perfectly into the first question really of like, as you're trying to create that space for other people and help them have tools and language to define living well, what would you say living well means to you? Yeah. So I think, and I, when I was thinking about this question, I kind of thought about it twofold. Cause when I think about like living well, um, I, I was thinking about just like the ability to be free, like the freedom to move and do and create and prioritize the things that light me up that, um, you know, make me feel good, that I enjoy, that I feel are important to like contribute in ways that I feel are important. And so when I think about living well, that is what I think about, right? Like what is true to my essence? And like, how can I, have I created, do I have enough funds to do that? Do I have the space to do that? Have I created the time to do that? Like 
how can I do that um, fully and totally? So that's like when I think about living well, but when I talk about my wellness specifically, which I like in my mind, when I heard that, I think of it a little bit differently, I'm talking about this like intersection that exists about all the, through all of these different pieces of me. So I'm thinking about my mental health, thinking about my physical health, like movement. I'm thinking about my spiritual health and like my connection to the divine. I'm thinking about my emotional well-being, right? I, and so all of those things, how what's how they're coming together, they're not all going to be at the same level, but that for me is my wellness. Um, and it's hard to gauge, but that's how I look at it. How about you all? That's 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 a pretty good answer. I mean, I can't, especially the part about. I'm just thinking about the words that you use, like particularly the, about freedom, like having the freedom, because that's one of the things that we've talked about over and over, just like how so much is like the freedom to choose, to prioritize yourself, to prioritize what is good for you. And one of the interesting things that I noticed that the words that you didn't use, like you didn't use illness, you didn't use exercise like you said movement instead of exercise like you know all these things that are very natural to us and just like you said that come from the source like the pulling back like what our ancestors did what you know like you said that that wellness that idea of almost like that simple like almost that we make it too complex in a lot of ways that even though it is a hard topic maybe to grasp our minds around in a way it's also really kind of simple yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's tricky, right? Because you think about it, it's like capitalism makes it complicated almost, right? Like, capitalism like makes so many things complicated. Like, yes. like, yeah, because there's, there's an industry built around it. And there's, when there's an industry built around it, now it's like, well, I have to sell you something. So I need to then, in order to sell you something, let you know that you're deficient in something. So you, you need this thing. Like, this is necessary for you. And so I, I do think that there is a simplicity that exists and, and, and that in our culture and in Western culture, we were selling, we're, we're doing all of these things to make money. And in that, it does overcomplicate for sure. Yeah, yeah I guess I would, I would put this back to you then, like, because I know like right now, Source House is um, a resource and a guide. So it's like a place where people can come and learn things. Um, journey with you on as you are doing different things to increase your overall wellness yeah. um and but I know eventually the idea is for there to be some income streams related to it and so mm -hmm. I'm wondering how to, and this isn't a question I asked you to prep beforehand but like how do you how are you reckoning with that tension yeah in, in inherent in wanting to be a person who makes money off of the wellness space Yes. And I know, and it's something that I think about, right. Cause I, I'm like, when I say like, I want to make it less like noisy mm -hmm. there, I, I do want to add to the space. Right. And so I think that for me, what that means is, am I adding thoughtfully? So am, is what I'm adding something that I don't see existing in a way that is serving folks fully. And can I contribute something that, that simplifies a process for somebody mm -hmm. or that really like enhances in a way that I don't necessarily see it. So I, I don't want to start providing service that is already noisy. Like, is there a group that is underserved by something that I can help serve them? Or that? And if so, let's fill that, that space, that gap. And if not, 
I'm not just trying to jump in and give you what already exists, right? With the new branding on it. Cause that, that just continues to do exactly what I'm talking about. So I, I agree. I, I do think there's intention. And I think that then that requires me to really be thoughtful. And I'll, and I'll say, and I'll just, you know, if you don't know me and you don't follow me, I also, when I talk about capitalism, I also am a big part of that too. I, I love product. So I will never, I am a product person and I buy product. I use product. I, and I, I like to know what's new. I read about product. And so in being able to elevate that there is tension here, I also recognize that I am a part of that because I do like those things. I don't think everybody needs to have as many products as I have, right? I don't, I would never propose that someone has to go out and care about products in the way that I do. It's something that I got from my dad as a little girl. And I've kind of all, it's always been with me and I love it. And so it brings me joy. And that's a part of my wellness. Like my process of putting product on myself and the time that I take to do that is a part of what brings me joy. If that doesn't do it for you, cool. If you just want to grab the olive oil in your kitchen, use that. It also works very well. Sometimes I do that too. So, you know. Lesson, everybody put olive oil on your body instead of it. (laughs) It's no, great. That's not what she said. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I definitely, I definitely resonate with that. Obviously I am, I'm not a person who r- relates to products in the same way. Um, I'm happily go to CVS to get my little bitty, whatever I used. Um, and so I think this also goes well into the second question of like, what do we really need? Right. So it's like part of what brings you joy, like you said, is like some of the ritual around it, some of the like tactile sensations around it. Um, but with the idea of stripping down to source, what would you say that you need to live well? Yeah. So in essence, I, it's knowing myself, right? Mm. Like I, I need to know myself to be able to even identify what truly brings me joy? Because if not, I'm probably just copying somebody else. I I a saw word. right, like There's I just saw you do whatever, and I, oh, that person is cool. I want to try that too. Or that person did X Y Z. I need to. They're drinking that green juice. I should have green juice too. Does your body want a green juice right now? <laughs> right? Like, is is that what you need right now? And so it's really getting quiet knowing myself, which means in order, and, and Allison, I know you know this because you're obviously in a journey of unpacking and, and right and like unprogramming certain things. And so mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Like we are all whole with a whole bunch of programming wrapped around us. Mm-hmm. And so the like part of like pulling back some of the layers to try to continue to, and it's an ever evolving process, but to learn more about myself and my truth, hear myself, hear my voice, that's important, right? And then being able to then act bravely and step forward into whatever it is that is truly in there. And so for me, knowing myself, getting to know myself over time, it took time because the programming of you need a check every two weeks on ease. You could, right? I come from an immigrant family, right? So it's like, you need to have a, a stable job. You need to hit, get a check every two weeks. You need to have good health insurance. You need to stay there. And if you're going to leave, you need to get another, you need to have another job before you step, right? That's the programming. There's no book that says that's how it has to go, right? But that's the programming. I walked with that programming so long 
that's getting free to be like, I want to think work and wellness. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to like do the thing that, that I'm spending all this time in conferences talking to people about, and they're here to learn about education. Like, what are you, what am I doing? <laughs> right. Like, I'm like this, that's not me. And so being able to like identify that took some time, but then being able to be brave enough to say, Oh, okay, girl, it's really time. Like you got to really do it. And I think that that's a piece of it. And then creating some structure for myself also to make sure that I can do those things. And so, and this is where it's, it's not so easy, but like I meditate. I need to make sure that I set aside times to meditate or else it's not going to happen, right? Like I need to get quiet. I need to take a bath sometimes so that I can do things. I need to journal so I can think about what it is that I really want so that I can get brave and act upon it or so that I can unpack if I feel some tension, feel the tension that when I want to do something new and be like, ooh, what's that coming from? Figure it out and spend some time with that. And so knowing myself, working on my programming and then getting brave enough or getting the resources to, to work through the things so that I can be brave enough to, to step in and, and do the things. I don't know if that answers your question. That is a masterclass in anything. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. I mean, that, that, that's, if that's... you know yourself, act bravely, set up structures to do both of those things. I, there's literally nothing you can't do. Yeah. And, and I mean, and you're well, right. Cause right. you feel well. Cause you, like you say, you know yourself and this whole deprogramming, I mean, that that's a thing. And that's a hard thing. Like you said, that, that takes you until, and I guess this is something I discovered as a 40 plus year old man is that it takes your twenties and your thirties to really get, and some of us, I mean, like I still struggle with it to get out of that deprogramming, right? That this is what you have to do, particularly for those of us who have always been achievement oriented and, you know, on that timeline, go to this school, get this degree, get this job, then get a promotion in that job. Like that, that is, that's a word. That, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm like, I'm not deprogrammed yet, but I, and, and I don't know that that is a thing that will be a thing for me. It's like, like I always say like that the journey is a destination, but it's like to be able to, to recognize your programming, even if you can't peel it off yeah, yeah. just yet, or maybe ever, yeah. but to be able to like, see it when it pops up and interrogate it. Um, and then for me, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but like, I feel like I have a bunch of like feelings that have come with the programming. This like resentment and some anger of like, why, why did y'all do this? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's not necessarily like a particular individual. It could be like a structure, but it's like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this to, to young people? Yeah. Even, even what you mentioned about that feeling of we're supposed to do something. Like I keep trying to help people in their twenties and thirties get free. I'm like, to what you said, I'm like, you are not supposed to have done anything by any particular time. Like, I'm like, rewind that and listen to that again. Oh my gosh. You do not have to have done anything, but have anything done by a certain time. You don't. Cause Ever. we all have a unique journey. Exactly. And a unique timeline. It, and, if, it, and I was just like, and if this past year and keep going months, 
yes. has not taught you that you're not in control of time anyway. Like if you haven't learned that lesson, you could, you should have learned it in these past few months, you know? hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think um, Allison and, and Stan, you both, you hit on it, but it's like the, our ability to to catch it, to catch what isn't necessarily ours, what starts to like feel kind of like scratchy on our skin, right? Or like uncomfortable and, and to just to name it and to figure out what to do with it then and be okay with that. And, you know, you're right. We might leave it. We might come back to it. We might do whatever with it, but, but we are aware of ourselves and we're paying attention to ourselves. And that directly links to like our physical wellness, which I think we are all at some level. And especially in the West, just like moving through life with blinders onto our bodies and our health. And that Mm -hmm. like the programming of you know, you pop a pill if something doesn't necessarily feel right. You live in a constant state of disease, right? You don't even know what well feels like. I know, Alison, you've talked about it. We talk about, you know, lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're so constantly in a state of disease that we don't even know what it feels like to thrive. So our bar is so far off that we, our bodies are constantly talking to us in the same way that spirit is constantly talking to us, trying to guide us, right, on the path, in the direction of what is for us. But we, we're blocking it out. We're busy. We're on the phone. We're talking to such and such. We're blocking, blocking, blocking. Same thing with our bodies. Our bodies are constantly telling us what's up. Something, hey, pay attention to me. This isn't right. Something's off. And we're like, just plowing forward. Just keep eating the same things. Keep doing the same things. And we're missing it. And so in the same way that we have programming around the ways that we operate, we're also moving just with the blinders, headphones on, eyes closed, and missing it. And the ability to like stop and hear and feel fully, I think is like really transformative to people who haven't been living like that. Yeah. Right. And I think the ability, like you said, to get quiet, but then also to be patient with the journey, I think is something that is, um, is, is an interesting concept as well. This idea that like, even when you think about like, you know, I talked about lactose intolerance, right? So let's say you have something that upsets your stomach and you, you're, if you're present to that, you're like, mm-hmm. ah, my stomach hurts in a way that it shouldn't, or I have, have had some reaction yeah. in a way that I don't usually, I don't like, I, I talk to people about this sometimes, right? Where I, I, it's funny. I feel like I'm like a lactose intolerant, like evangelist. <laughs> people are you like, are. my stomach hurts. And I'm like, did you, did eat, you eat cheese? Right. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, maybe you should try not eating dairy and just see how you feel. And I've never had anybody be like, oh yeah, you know what? You're right. I should take dairy completely out of my, no one does that. Like, because it's like, well, no, I'm going to eat this pizza. And I'm like, I also, I affirm that pizza is delicious. However, do you want to feel bad every time you eat pizza? Like maybe you do, but I'm like, what would it take for you to go on a journey where maybe you don't eat something that you like to see if your body can feel better. And that is the thing that like, like you said, it's like, we pop pills for everything. From for me, like, I'm like, if I have a headache, I wanna, this might sound kind of sadistic, but I'm like, I wanna see how bad this headache is gonna get. Like, I wanna understand why is my head hurting? And like, maybe I'm just dehydrated. And I, after an hour, I'm like, yeah, actually I haven't had any water. So let me just drink some water and maybe I'll take a pill, a pain pill to get through that as I also solve it in another way. 
but I think that idea of like, not only listening to your body, but like being willing to like figure out for yourself, like what are the things that are contributing to this? And let me, you know, prioritize one part of my wellness over another, right? Because you might argue that having a pizza is important to your mental health. That's some, sometime it might be. Yeah, it might right. be, yeah. But it's like, overall, if you're, every time you eat a pizza, you have like a raging stomachache, it's like over time, yeah, like, you have to start it, to come close to, to the idea that you need to let the pizza go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I... I went through some mental shifts with this too, because dairy was one of the first things that I had to give up. Um, also, I, I have now given up so many things. Poor thing. I, so we're just like, I've given up so many things and, you know, my orientation to giving things up is a little bit different than the average person. And so I, I am cognizant of that. I'm also cognizant of the fact that like, I have a history of disordered eating, which makes it easy for me to stop eating things. Like I can, mm. I can stop in a way where I can control food in a way that is harder for other people, even though I'm not in any type of disordered eating thing right now, but I am cognizant of that too. But I, you know, when I started to clean up my food, which was the first thing that I did, I, in college, at the, as I was leaving college, I started to pay attention to where I was grocery shopping. As soon as I started to make some money and I like had some money to spend on food, I started to think about where was I shopping? when I started shopping at the farmer's market and I was really, and I, I tell people sometimes I, I bought mustard greens, I brought them home. I tasted the mustard green and I was like, oh my God, that's why they're called mustard greens. (laughs) It was this aha moment of like, child, mustard greens supposed to taste like mustard. actual mustard not just green vegetables they are supposed to taste like mustard why doesn't this other stuff that I've been eating taste like that right so that kind of like got me like oh wait a minute what I have been eating is not necessarily the best and I went down the like food tunnel and I and I so I like entered that tunnel of like cleaning things up first and that's how I like started to clean up my diet um and and made my diet as like non-toxic and organic and local as possible that was like a process there but in, in doing that, I did become really aware of like food as like input. And mm. so, and, 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 and curiosity. So I think about two things, you know, I think people eat and they're like, I'm eating because I want this or it's good. It's just going to fill me up and, or, or it's whatever, right? Like it's, it's just a, it's just doing one thing. Like I'm just getting full off of it, but food is an input. It's like a data input for your body. And some other things are happening, right? It's it's sending information other places. And so as I started to think about food in that way, I'm like, what am I telling my body I want it to do sometimes? Like that is like a part of it. I'm like, what, what am I actually messaging to my body right now? Like what's going on? Like, so maybe the like food coloring or the synthetic sh- baked sugars or the right, the hydrogenated oils, what do they tell my body it wants it to do? What, what? cell response is happening here so that's like the less sexy way to think about food right like it's not this like oh this meal is just going to be so yummy but it's something that helped me to think about food differently and really think about the ways in which I was like eating and where I was buying food from specifically and things like that and then also this just like the curiosity Allison to your point when you talk about 
you know, I eat this pizza, it hurts my stomach. Where's the curiosity? Like, don't just eat the pizza, your stomach hurts. And then you're like, well, my stomach is, I got, I'm gassy tonight. Like, just gonna, everybody watch out. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not the plan. Like, let's show some curiosity. Okay, I ate this pizza, I'm gassy. But I had yogurt the next morning and I wasn't gassy. Or I had, uh, I had a milkshake the next day and I wasn't, wasn't gassy. Mm, maybe it's not the dairy. Maybe mm. it's the gluten. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. maybe right so so yeah. like let me let me pay attention mm-hmm. just, let me just pay attention I, like don't right. even change anything just right. pay attention to what happens i i realized when i was eating gluten i would be so exhausted afterwards i would like pass out sleep i would be so tired what kind of weird ass symptom what is what <laughs> like what's happening but it happened enough that i was paying attention to it. so i'm like something is up i had enough things that align to gluten I was like munching up some cheese it's I was you know and I would notice it it's like where's execute some curiosity with yourself I think mm-hmm. is also important yeah I mean that yeah. goes back to the learn yourself yeah like, know yourself. so right. it's like a truly like a 360 application of that mm-hmm. body see- mind spirit mm-hmm. all of it yeah. mm-hmm. and see like I know telling myself to give up something is like, you know, that you have, like you said, you have a, you can give up stuff and re- yeah. not be fine. I know that I need to replace, right? Replace. So if I say, I'm going to stop. I can't just say, I'm going to stop drinking soda. I have to say, I'm going to drink more water. It's not, I'm going to stop eating French fries. It's, mm. I need to eat more green leafy vegetables. I need to eat more fruit. I know that for myself. And when, again, when I'm in that space, like Alice and I have talked to when you're doing really well and you're like, it's easier to build that momentum. And at the same time, I can be like, wait a minute, I'm not in my momentum. I'm eating too many fries. Let me go back. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's that whole knowing yourself. It's like, let me go back. Oh, I drank a Coke today. I drank Coke yesterday. Stop. Where's your water? Like yeah. replace that with water. Yeah. And if, and if that vegetable or that water is like, that's not hitting the spot. Cause let's be real. If you want a Coke and you drink a water, that's a, that's a bridge, maybe too far. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a bridge too far. You, you might need to find an iced tea. Like, or yeah. you, you, you might need to get some juice with some sparkling water in it. Cause you need some bubbles. Like we, we might need to try something else. Yeah. Or like that vegetable and that French fry might be too far, but maybe we could just roast some potatoes. Like maybe I can take some yeah. potatoes, put some salt and pepper on them, throw them in the oven, put some herbs on them, make them look all crispy and and start to trick yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. that's like, you know what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my trick is always, you know, cause my weakness really is the candy and the like just flat, horrible, plain sugar, <laughs> just bad. <laughs> and my trick is- I'm so, sugar. I mean, literally, uh, because I'm so competitive, I have to give myself like games. And so there was a, probably like a year and a half period where I gave myself candy days where I was like, you can eat candy on Friday and Saturday. However much candy you want, you can eat candy on Friday and Saturday. You just cannot eat candy any other days. And that stopped me from like plowing through a whole bag. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna eat a whole bag of candy in a day. And I only have two days. So I'm just going to eat a little bit, eat a little bit tomorrow. And that's it until next Friday. So know yourself, know yourself, the lesson. know thyself. Um, so hopping into the new questions now, um, for all of us, and I'll put this to you first, Dan, um, 
how do you maintain your wellness in spaces that don't support wellness? So being honest, it's hard. I think it's hard. I think it's for me because like you said, everybody's not cognizant of what, of your, may not be cognizant of your journey. And so unintentionally people are, you know, you're not, you know, like you said, that environment is just not what it needs to be. I think that thinking about it for me helps, like just planning, like knowing, okay, so if I, like, I'll just be real. Like if I know I'm going to somebody's family reunion where the diet is not going to be, you know, where it's going to be what it's going to be. I know that during the week, I may need to back up, eat a little different, have a little different diet and just know, okay, you're going to pig out this weekend, but that's okay. Next week, you're going to replace with what's good for you. Same thing. Like when I, when I was a really big runner, right? Like it's like thinking ahead, okay, where can I run? Right. Cause I know I need to do this. This is for my mental health. Where can I run? Like where I'm from back home, there are no sidewalks. It's country. It's flat. There's traffic. So I'm like, let me find this trail. I think planning is key. And also just being adaptable, like knowing, like you said, for me, it's all about having that replacement that that's something that I know if it's not exactly what I want, exactly what I would like in that time, getting kind of the next best thing until I'm back in my environment that best supports me. Yeah. What about you, Anise? So I, I will concur with Stan um, that this is hard to do. And um, uh, taking advantage of times when you are in places that are not um, uh, in tension with your wellness, right? That don't make it hard for you to, to prioritize wellness, to, to get to know yourself, right? Like we talked about, to understand your needs, your authentic, you know, your, as much of your authentic self as possible feels important. So like, you've got a clear grasp on what it is that you need. And then when you are entering or when you identify that you are like in a space that's not necessarily supporting uh, your wellness. And I'd say like, if this is a, jo a job, for instance, right? I'll, I'll use a job as an example, you're entering the workplace. If you know that your wellness is a priority for you and that you're like work in general can be busy. I would try to get ahead of it and to set expectations around what your needs are on the front end before the tensions even come up, right? Like this time I'm, I'm, I have to be out of office. I have to be offline because of whatever, whatever it is that you're doing, exercise, whatever it may be, but that you are letting people know on the front end. So then when you need to, to hold that boundary, like you need to hold the line when someone tries to infringe upon um, your set aside wellness, right? You are um, able to reference back and say, remember when I said that I have to be out of the office at such and such time? I'm like, I really am not able to do that, but we can find another time to do it, right? So like you have, you have a point to reference back to, it's not new. And that kind of like gives you some leverage there, which I think is really helpful. I think there's another thing here, which aligns also to authenticity, to, to knowing yourself and getting comfortable with yourself, which is not people pleasing and being okay with people being disappointed. So you will be asked to do things that are gonna push up against your wellness, your time, whatever, right? And a lot of us are raised to please others. And so we're prioritizing the needs of others over our own needs. And so we're bending and flexing and trying to make sure that we are giving people what they want at the detriment of ourselves. 
people are always going to try to get what they need to handle their business. They're not worried about your wellness when they are asking you to do things. It's on you to be able to say no, but also to get comfortable knowing that like I'm celebrating the fact that I'm upholding my wellness to myself. I should feel good about that. Not feel horrible because I told someone no. And if I do feel terrible that I need to tell someone no for my own wellness, that I need to now sit down and figure out where that came from and do some work on that. Because telling people no is something that you have to be able to do. And people pleasing is something that we all need to unlearn. Um, and so I think that's a part of it. And then Stan, you named it, but scheduling. You got, if you got a block time to do these things. You got to put it in a calendar, tell people in your house that you are not going to be around XYZ amount of time or whatever. Um, so that um, you can do the things that you you need to do. Um, so that that is what I'm thinking, Allison. I know. What is yeah, it? yeah. No, I mean, I th- that one, what you said really lined up with one of the examples I was going to share is like when I think about um, work taking over your life, right? As a as an element of like, you know, you and I we work together at a job where it took over your life for over. some period of time. <laughs> Um, yes. and it felt like it like took over your life progressively more throughout the year, <laughs> just yeah. like from spring to the end of summer is just like nuts. And then it just yeah. drops off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were a couple of things I was thinking about in that space. And so one of them was this sort of holding boundaries. And like one practical example is like, I, uh, back when I first moved here was working that job and, um, would work all kinds of hours, you know, all night whatever. And I realized that that job was as much as I loved the operations element of it was a creativity suppressor for me. And living in creativity is part of my, my wellness. And so I was like, I need to find a way to like, just like infuse some creativity into my life. Doesn't have to be related to work. I was like, I just need to find a way to be creative. And so I found a ceramics class to take. It was almost an hour away from the office. And it was at like six um, on like a weeknight. And so I was like, because of traffic, I have to leave here at five. I have to. I was like, I paid for this class and I'm leaving now. (laughs) And, you know, and it wasn't even so much someone standing there looking for me to do something past five o'clock, but it's like emails are still rolling in. You know, I'm real tuned into my email. So I'm, you know, pretty quick about responding to things. There's like people were managing, people were bringing on board. And so it was just like on Monday nights at five, you will not hear from Allison until Tuesday. That's right. And that was, it felt great. Like, so I didn't struggle at all with the people pleasing part. I was like, bye. I was like, you can look at my license plate as I drive out of this parking lot. I will see you tomorrow. I will have clay on my hands. So like, don't, don't say anything to me. Um, so it felt great. It also just was like a time to unplug from the like a hundred different things that were always running through my head about that job. And it, it was a hard boundary that was super necessary and like got me through. So it's like, once I get that infusion every Monday night, it's like, that can get me through to Friday. And then I'm like, weekend, one day of work back to the ceramic studio. And so that is one big thing that was an important thing for me. So I just, I affirmed that, that, same idea. Um, another thing that really, um, 
again, related specifically to that job is that when you have a period of time, right? So when we, if we talk about like a space of that doesn't, is not conducive to wellness, it could also just be a space of time. Yeah. Really recognizing those boundaries and being very close to those boundaries. Like I'm like, all right, <laughs> July 18th is the end of this period. And I'm like tracking to that, right? And I don't know, some people, it might be bad for some people, like the idea of counting down, but it, I, I, I loved it. I was like 16 days left. That's <laughs> like, right. We're almost done. Over and then teacher. it was like, oh, right. Teachers, whoever else, yeah. right. When you're on that kind of schedule, I always have myself a vacation planned for the other side of that. Even if it was just a staycation, whatever. I was like, there was something fun that I had on the edge of that boundary that I could look forward to that was going to like pour back into me to help me reset back to, to me, because I really lost myself a lot of times in that process. So that was something. Um, and then the other thing, and this relates directly to the podcast is just family. Um, and and I, I mean that in a lot of ways, one, your family giving you that space. It's like, sometimes there are just things that are going to take over your life and it will, con- it, it will negatively impact your wellness. If the expectations of you are the same in that time. Like if Stan is, you know, every day talking, calling me and mad that I'm not answering the phone, that is going to make him feel bad, make me feel bad, damage our relationship. When I'm just like, it's Institute. <laughs> it's Institute. If you hear from me before I'll July 18th, that's right. That's great. I'll let you in August. And it's like, if I call you during Institute, expect me to talk about myself and Institute and hang up <laughs> and I'll talk to you in August about That's all you. I got. <laughs> That's all I got is me and Institute right now. Um, and so that, that's something. But then the other thing is, is like for people to kind of like hold you down to the things that you say are important to you. Right. So I think about like when I worked at the school last year, there were times when like Lance would be like, that's enough. Like, and I'd be like, no, but, and he's like, that's enough. You've done enough. Stop now. And again, not, not in the unreasonable way where he's like putting himself first, where he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm bored. I want you to talk to me, but like, this is what you've identified. This is sort of the barrier that you've identified. I'm gonna help you hold this boundary when you can't hold it for yourself. And having family around you that is like sensitive like that is so important. And it, relieve so much stress to not have the people around you becoming a problem. And then it also like makes you feel so loved and propped up in those moments when you're feeling kind of, we can feel empty inside that like these people are willing to say the thing to me that I can't even say to myself. And they care about me enough to push past that tension and whatever I might be feeling and going through to help, to help me protect me. Yeah. So relationships are a huge part of that for me as well. I just, I'm, I'm really thinking about this boundary thing. And one of the things that I think that's also interesting is that by being very explicit about your boundaries, and it's like Allison's example, you're giving people permission to support you. That's right. And you're giving them permission to set their own boundaries. Like you're, you're giving them an example. So I love that. I like I that's my takeaway already from this is just from this whole conversation is just that like you said you're giving like you're giving people you're showing people okay this is my boundary this is how you can support me 
and you're giving them that opportunity to do that. And I think that's really powerful. Not just as a model, but just like you said, to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that totally resonates. I, I was also thinking as, as we were all talking, I was just making a name for anyone who might be dropping in on this and doesn't know. None of us have uh, children at, in this moment. Mm. And yes, um, I, I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm coming off of a week with my two nieces, two and four, who are beautiful and amazing and talented, extremely smart. Um, and also that was the most exhausting week of, I, I, I don't know the last time, I mean, maybe Institute, like I, like it was, it was exhausting. And I, and I, I've shared with Allison on my many reflections about what parenting and things like that. But I, I can imagine a parent listening to this conversation and we're like, just prioritize, just set a boundary, just X, Y, Z. Like, yeah, okay. Right. And so I, I just want to name that because there are real, real unique challenges that come when you are raising little humans, especially young ones where you don't feel as though you have the ability to just step away every day. And I, I do think that there are ways to do that. Like I, I was like really like I I have a slow morning process. And so I set my alarm like much earlier before they woke up to try to keep my morning process slow because I wanted to do that. But I'm assuming fatigue would set it eventually and you may not want to do that. So, you know, there there, but I think that so scheduling is the way to do that, but also, you know, thinking about to your point, Allison, relationships. So like who is in your family as a parent? Who is the network of people that can support you, that can grab those babies yeah. for a minute so that you can prioritize yourself, even if it's for an hour or two, what have you, like who can you lean on for support, actual support, um, whether you're paying for childcare or handing off to family or asking friends um, to, to be able to do that. And also if, if that, as they get older, you know, maybe you're blocking yourself a, a solo vacation or a solo weekend staycation, or, you know, making sure that you still are setting aside the time. Cause I, I would say that the stakes are even higher for a parent mm-hmm. because you're pouring out so much, right. You're giving even more, you're helping to, to form someone and modeling what it looks like to prioritize self. And so the, like the act of self-sacrifice, although I think it becomes extremely natural as a parent, like it, it just like to, to just self-sacrifice feels natural because you have these little people that need you, but the actual modeling of self-sacrifice is actually the opposite of what we want to be modeling, yeah. right? Because we want these children to be able to prioritize themselves and take care of themselves. And so then we, then as, as a parent would then have to do the same thing. And so I'm elevating that, like, I think it is especially challenging for parents and also particularly important as well. And so that makes it hard. And I think relying on others for support of others and planning and scheduling also feels important mm-hmm. and hats off to parents. Oh um, yeah. How, y- how y'all do it. Ooh. Oh, so <laughs> just going to name that as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And that goes really well into this next question, which <clears throat> I kind of want to reword because it sounds a little strong. So it's like, what happens when someone in your family is not well, but even like to say that differently is like, what happens when someone in your family needs extra support to maintain their wellness? Um, so that you know is yeah. often the case for the parents in our lives. And so I'm curious for each of you, 
um, what happens? How do you think about supporting your family? Um, for me, I think that, you know, it's, it's obviously it's the presence, it's the being there, but I also, as someone who can sometimes, you know, who needs their own space, their own separate kind of box to just be in. Sometimes it's about knowing, okay, I'm here, but I'm going to wait for you to, you know, I'm here. I'm telling you I'm here, but if you need to come to me, like if me pushing in with you right now is too much, you let me know when you're ready for whatever kind of support I can give. Because sometimes when we're in that, when you're in that space, you need to just concentrate on yourself. And sometimes even the act of accepting support seems like a lot. You know, it seems like you're taking on somebody else's things that you may not be able to, ready to handle or just express yet. And sometimes you just need that space by yourself. So I feel like definitely support, but also that space, like let you figure out because like you said, a lot of times we're still trying to figure out, okay, what do, what do I need support with? You know, I know that you're here to support me, but I, I can't yet name what it is I need help with. So mm-hmm. let me try to figure that out. And then just knowing that I will be there once you're able to name that, I think is the best way for me. Yeah. And I like what you said about the fact that sometimes someone pushing in can feel heavy I think that to me, the lesson there is like, make sure that when you're supporting someone, it's about them and not about you. So that it's not, you know, we've talked about this before. Like I get an attitude. I'm like, how dare you not answer the phone when I call you? And that's making it about me, right? Not about you and whatever is going on in your life. And so that's a lesson that I'm I'm taking from what you just said. That's good. Anise, what about you? What are you, what are you thinking about? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because I keep a very small circle. Um, I'm honored to be in it. It's so small. <laughs> it's tiny. It's, it's a, tiny. It's, it's a tiny circle. And I, re- I recognize about myself that I energetically don't have enough for a large circle. And I think a part of that is because I am emotionally close to the people that I'm close to. And I feel like I am also pretty tapped into the people that I'm close to. I will get off, get off the phone with them. I will be thinking about what's going on in their lives. I'll be problem solving in my own bed at night about what's happening for them. And so that is an emotional thing for myself. So that's why I don't have a lot of people. But a part of that then becomes, I can also sense when something is off with somebody around me. I, I'm like, I feel like I'm a, tapped in in a way enough to be able to like feel when something is a little bit off. Um, and so that the ability to feel when something is off, um, makes it so that I can, when I go in to ask, like, what's up, what's going on, how you doing? I'm coming with that. Cause I'm like, I, because you seem right. Like, I, I'm not yeah. going to just give you like, what's up, what's going on. Like I can give you like a, like, because it seems like something is X, Y, Z. Right. So like, I really want to know what's going on, but I'll also say that the act of showing up for my folks ongoing, I think is the model to say that like, I am here so that it is clear that I'm here in the way that you need me. So if, if you don't need me right now, that's fine. I will like articulate that. And you articulate that to me. I will ask you, you just say that, but you know that I'm here. And so I think that that's like groundwork you lay over time with people, right? So that they know you will show up for them in the ways that that they need you, um, but also that they are being seen, that you see them, that you notice something is happening with them and that it's not just normal um, and not like surface level engagement. 
Um, so I think that that's it. It's like really having close relationships with the people that I am in relationship with and then being aware of what's going on and, and offering up support in the ways, you know, and, and, and letting them let me know how, uh, how they need support. Now, truly though, your point is right. That I think Allison, you said like that, not supporting for the, for the ego, right. Helping people for your own ego that like moves all the way back to what we were talking about before, which is, is truly being unpacking your own stuff and knowing your own self. And so being aware of that as well is important. And I think lots of people don't catch that. It's like, I'm helping people, but you, you really are just doing this for your own ego and Mm -hmm. you should check that for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same. And I, I think the, the thing that I connect with what you said is, uh, showing up, um, and I had the privilege and listen to my reframing, my privilege of being single for a really long time. Um, and so what that meant was that I didn't have people to check with before I had to go somewhere. And so if it comes down to like, we need a body here, I'm able to go and be a body here. And, and so I think that that is something that I've been like blessed to be able to do. Um, transitioning a, a, a bit as a married person um, in that, but it's definitely something that is like kind of core to who I am at this point of like, we get on planes, like, and again, very privileged to be able to do that. But like, I'm like, if there's some, is a thing, oh, we're, I'll be there. Um, and then I think the other thing, the only other thing I'll add, cause I affirm what all of, what both of you have said is just, as I get older, I am understanding the difference of how I, of how to do that, how to show up, um, and still take care of myself. And I think I realized that, I mean, I'm just like the very practical fact that like, I can no longer just stay up all night, right? Like things where you're, when you're younger, you can just be like, Oh, it's fine. We'll only sleep two hours. It's fine. I just literally can't like, if I do that, that's days, days of recovery, (laughs) And so, you know, I think about like, um, being with people in, when they're in the hospital, um, I, I have slept in many, a little hospital, whatever thing is next to the bed chair. If it lays down a little fake, whatever. Right. And that having done that now, I know what it's like overnight in the hospital. It's gross. It's people keep coming in, lights keep coming on. And so it's not a good time for the person in the bed. And so my, the part of me that wants to show up is like, that's a yucky time for you. Like I, it would be nice if you at least had a person in the room with you, who you're familiar with, who you can talk to when they wake you up. But I'm realizing that I'm like, I can't recover from that. (laughs) And so I'm like, if you want in, you know, a lot of, for me, what, what it's, what's important about being at the hospital with someone is advocating for them, right? not overnight while the just vitals are being taken, but like during the day when there's like whatever. And so I'm like, I can't, I will not be there to advocate for you. If I sleep in this thing all night, I will be a grouchy monster. I will not be helpful to anyone. I will be foggy. I will be, I will need to leave at the key time when I need to be here. And so that's just like a, a practical example. I was thinking of that, like 
that I am having to like really reckon with this intersection of caring for others and showing up, but also caring for myself in that time. That's such a good example. I, I think like the ability to know yourself enough and to know like how you, you have changed over time to be able to like elevate that and know like, this is the best way that I can show up for you. And so therefore I can't do this. And then being okay with the, I can't do this because somebody might be like, I want you to be in this room with me all night. And you can say, but I can't be and be okay mm-hmm. with that feels mm-hmm. really important. Um, so I love that. And sure. again, like, it's also like, again, because what you're centering again is how you can best be there for that other person, right? Because you're saying, if I can't advocate for you, then what good am I doing? You're really trying to, because it's coming from a place of actual concern. Again, knowing yourself, that full circle. Mm-hmm. I, this is making me think of one other thing. I'm sorry not to belabor this topic, but I, um, so I'm actively working on um, my like gut response to things. Um, and so, um, I am trying to listen to what is actually the answer that comes up for me, not the answer that I like process through my programming that feels like the right answer to give. And then I answer. And so there is a world where somebody that I love and care for is asking me to do something that is in tension with my in my gut response it is actually a no and I, I am currently working and this could be and this could be about anything that anyone asked me to do but I'm currently working on how do I honor myself and that no right and still be able to support in other ways um like how else can I show up and lean in and to help someone but not necessarily in whatever that way is that gave me that Mm, no, I don't want to do that because when I do the thing that I don't want to do now, I am draining myself and that is not okay for me anymore. And so I, I, I'm like really working out. That is a hard muscle that I am learning, starting to flex. Um, but it's, I, I can feel the gut response. I know it, but I also have been programmed to move it through other layers and I'm trying to, to kind of wrench that back. back. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good yeah it's interesting too when like the reverse of that where like your programming is it gives you the first answer mm-hmm. and then you're able to see that that's programming and then on uh, and then get back to what's true mm-hmm. like I, that made me think about an example of like I think my programming is I think I, I maybe undid the, like, let me get a check every two weeks programming to, to now be on this entrepreneurial journey. But I think the entrepreneurial programming is we don't say no to work. Like we take jobs. <laughs> like yeah. if there's a job to have, we take it. And, you know, I'm creative in lots of ways. And somebody asked me the other day, if I was, what my price would be to decorate a space. And I decorate spaces, right? Decorate my apartment and house, whatever. Decorating spaces is not part of my business model as much as I enjoy doing that. And so my first response was like, oh, let me think about that and give you a price tomorrow. And then I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you shouldn't be giving prices for, for no, 
that is not aligned to what you're trying to do. Stop that. And so I feel like I just had the reverse thing where it's like my programming kicked in first and then I had to like peel that back. So like we said before, like just even if you're not able to undo it, being able to see it when it pops up. Yeah, Yeah. that That makes a ton of sense. And I'd say the the gut programming thing, the reason I checked into it is because it's a part of my my human design. So I did my human design Mm. and as a part of my human design type, that's like one of the the ways that I'm supposed to be making decisions. And so since I read that, I've been trying to like flex that to see what it feels like. Um, But maybe in your human design, it might, you might have a different type of decision-making authority and it could be, you know, something else. Yeah. So like the way Mm -hmm. you process that actually could be the way. Yeah. Well, friends, always, 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 always love these conversations. Um, and I feel like I took so many lessons. We always, you know, have a word. I feel yeah. like there have been many words. So if you are getting to this point in the conversation, feel free to rewind it and write the words down and take them with you. Um, but uh, before we close out, Stan, what is up for you? Well, what's up for me is I, unfo- yes, I'm going to say, unfortunately, I unfortunately have to go to an office now. Um, So I have a little drive, a little bit of a drive. And so Spotify has been talking to my um, phone through the Bluetooth. It discovers that I'm driving because you know, all these things are talking to each other. And it has a a little thing showed up on Monday that said daily drive. And I was like, what's daily drive Spotify? So I tap on daily drive and it's like hood NPR. Well, it's hood NPR for me. So it is like my favorite news podcast. So it's, um, gosh, what's the name of the podcast, Allison? Up First. Up First with Steve Inskeep and Rachel Martin. And then it's my Spotify playlist. I love 90s and 2000s R&B. So it's like, <laughs> so in the notes, of so I have, it's like Steve Inskeep and then it's Donnell Jones and <laughs> Left Eye and like Javier and Tamia. And then it's Martin Powers and Post Reports. And then it's some more 90s R&B. And then it's Michael Barbaro and The Daily. Like it, I call it Hood NPR and I love it. I'm like, all right, Daily Drive, what you got from today? And it's like Steve Inskey talking about monetary policy in China. And then it's Crazy Bone and Mariah. <laughs> it is, it's my new favorite thing of the money. It's my new favorite thing listen to so i call it hoodie i call it hood npr but it's really daily drive on spotify oh, that is so good hopefully if you're driving your car your spotify will give you a daily drive playlist i love that that's amazing <laughs> it is i was it, like yep it picture it pictures songs from your favorites what it, yeah it's pretty amazing. that's really something i'm like yeah. that sounds fun i i luckily don't have a morning drive um yeah. So I don't think I'll have one of those, but I'm like, I kind of want to hear yours. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I can share it. I'll see if I can, I'll link to it in the show notes. Love it. What about you, Anise? What's up for you? Yeah. Um, so I think two things. It's it's fall now. And so I am thinking about switching over. Like I said, I love product. So I'm like thinking about my like switch over to some fall skincare products. And so I'm reading things and deciding on what I'm buying and doing that, which is, a thing. But the other thing that is more up for me, I have lots of things that are up, but this is the other thing I have it in front of me. So anyone who's looking on YouTube will be able to see it, but is um, the, where should we begin um, game by Esther Perel. 
And I, so I'm trying to do more screen-free relationship things with my husband because it feels like all of the things that we do, there's like some type of like distraction that's like a part of it. So like we're watching a movie, we're watching TV, we're, we're like, we're at a meal, but we might pick up our phone and we're like, so, you know, there's like, there's always something else that's distracting us from, from one another. And so a couple of weeks ago, he was out of town and we played, um, what's it called? Culture Culture tags. tags. Yes. We played culture tags over FaceTime and it was just the most enjoyable laughter filled call it was so much fun like we were only on our phones to be looking at each other we were like cracking up and so I was like okay we need to do more things we're like not looking at our phones and so I love Esther Perel um and this is it's basically stories like it's cards that have different like prompts on them that some are light and some are deep but it's like you know like this one says um a phone number I need to delete and like, just like, like in, have a okay. conversation around it. Right? Ooh, okay. Okay. So I don't think- get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that number was already deleted. Right. So I definitely, I'm excited to dig into this. There's tons of cars. There's lots of things. And so, um, well, I think we'll be pulling these as we, you know, sit around, even if we take a couple minutes, pull one card, have a conversation and um do th- we'll have been married 15 years next month so like we need to congratulations. do congratulations different things thank you um different things y'all marriage is hard so you gotta do things <laughs> so, um allison what's up for you what's up for me is um the day that i had today i had a really good work day today um i had I have, and I think I've mentioned this on the show, sort of restructured my business. I have a design team. I have three designers and um, folks who support me with communication strategy. Employees. I know, right? I'm like, I'm (laughs) making jobs in the world. Um, Right. And uh, because of that, I can, I'm sort of now moving into more creative director position. I have more time to do other things. And so one of the things I love to do is like coaching strategy, help people figure things out which for those of you who don't know is what Anise does for me. <laughs> She's like my creative strategist. Thanks, buddy. Um, but I have a client I've worked with for a long time, done lots of different things for. And um, I was just one day like t- texting with her about something. And I was like, how are you? She's like, yeah, I'm trying to pivot my business. I would love to do like a, she called it a private retreat with you. And I was like, oh, first of all, I love that whole idea. And we kind of put together a proposal for this thing. We're doing it in two four-hour blocks. Um, we did four hours today, four hours next Friday. And when I tell you I've never had four hours go by faster, just oh, so good. fun. And it feels like I wrote this down from what you said at the beginning, Anis, about freedom and how that's wellness. And it's like freedom is the things, is the freedom to do the things that make you feel good. And man, when I tell you helping somebody like basically all I did was create just like a two pages of questions that I walked her through. And we, in answering those questions came up with like four priorities. We're going to build out a strat plan next week. So it's just, it sounds dorky, but like, man, private strategy retreat. If you want one, hit me up, but it was just so fun to do it. And 
I am excited to be moving my business in a direction where I have more time to do things like that. So that, that is what is yeah. very up for me this week. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So tell people how they can get in touch with you. We've referenced Source House, but tell them how they can find you and talk to you and work with you and learn from you. Yeah. So um, you can follow me on Instagram at Source House, H-A-U-S. Um, and that is where I post about health and wellness and products and talk about reviews and what's going on with me. And let's just say I have been on a pause from posting. So I'm like, if you do follow Source House already, you're like, girl, you don't post there. <laughs> I, I will post there again. So, um, so that is the, the place that you can find that information. And Allison is probably looking at me because also I should be able to say, you can check out my website site at thesourcehouse.com, which is an actual website that doesn't have a site that's live on, but you will be able to access me and resources and book me for things on that coming very soon. If you are interested in following me personally, you can go to Ana East Anne on Instagram. Um, now I really do not post often there. You might catch some, some stories. Um, if you just want to know what I am interested in, but, um, you are more than welcome to follow along as well. I would love to have you. And I, I would love to have you on the source house page. If you are interested, I'm currently going through, um, a, a whole healing journey with my gut. And so I'm talking a lot about gut health, which is something that's important for all of us. And so, um, you can jump in and, and follow along there as well. Yeah. And I'd say folks, this is not an official service yet. So I'm putting you out here, but if you just need a consultation around anything around health and wellness, hit up my girl. She is the one, like I said, I don't make moves without her. I Lance and I are switching to non-toxic things. I told him that he was responsible for the detergent. And I was like, you may start with Anise. You may DM Anise <laughs> and ask her what kind of detergent we should use. <laughs> Thank you. And yes, you can absolutely reach out. You can DM me on Instagram and, and we can, we can figure something out. I can definitely help. Um, I do love to talk about this stuff um, at nauseum. So just, and, just reach out. And very knowledgeable about it. So yes. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming, joining us. Uh, we're going to talk just quickly about season three, since this is our last episode. Yep. Um, so yeah, here we go. Closing it out. Yeah. Season two. It's the end of season two and we've had guests and we have loved all of them. We yes. have talked and talked, but it just feels like just having great conversations. So we hope that you have enjoyed our conversations with our family. And now you understand why these are important people in our lives. Um, Allison, exactly what, right. what are some opportunities for folks to interact with us as we move forward. Yeah. So there's um, three big things that we have planned right now. One of them is that we are going to be going live on Instagram Thursday, October 7th at 730. Um, Stan and I began this kind of like public conversation journey on Instagram. So we're back to Instagram. We will be on the Lilacs on York Instagram page at that time, having a conversation, just reflecting on the season, um, what it means to have a podcast and have now finished 16 episodes, episodes which is Two crazy seasons i know um so join us at right we have subscribers i don't know if you even saw that we have subscribers we get comments it's the whole thing a um and so join us uh october 7 7 30 p.m and if you're if you're not following lilacs in new york go ahead and do that you'll get reminders leading up to that conversation um then we will, like I said, go back to our roots of uh, 
our weekly conversations about movies, which is how this all started. Um, I have a movie, Christmas movie obsession. I don't think, Sam, do you have a Christmas movie obsession? I, I like talking about movies. I don't think I have a Christmas movie obsession, okay. but I do like talking about movies. <laughs> Okay, so Stan jumps in on my Christmas movie obsession and likes to talk through this nonsense that I enjoy yes. so much. So there's another account, which you're like, really, Allison? Do you have how many <laughs> accounts do you have? This one is called Have Yourself a Merry Little Movie. And that is where we will be talking about movies. We do a movie Mondays. I don't know if we have a time yet, but just follow along. We'll let you know what time it is. So Christmas movies start in October, which is ridiculous, but- yes. Follow along. We'll let capitalism. You know. <laughs> we'll let you know the schedule for those movie Mondays, and then for as far as season three, we are gonna just let you know right now that we'll be back in 2022. So, um, which sounds far away, but considering Christmas movies are starting in about a month, you're gonna be able to hear from us weekly there, and then we'll be back in 2022. We don't know the date yet, but just stay tuned, and. We will figure out whether we're just us or guests again, and we'll let you all know all of that when we decide it. Sounds good. And right. just thank everybody for listening. Thank Anais and all of our guests Yes. for these episodes. It has truly been a pleasure. It has. All right, friends, we'll meet you here next year. Support for this podcast comes from Lilacs on New York Creative Studios. The Family Meeting is produced by me and Allison. Our theme song is by Will Salua and it is entitled 135th and Coffee. You can find the show notes on what we discussed, including links posted in the blog section on lilacsonyork.com. And you can keep up with the show on Instagram at lilacsonyork and on Twitter at The Framley Meeting. You can also now watch us have these conversations on the Lilacs on York channel on YouTube. You can find me on social at Allison K. Mason on IG and Twitter, even though I do not tweet. You can find me on social at Twice11 on IG and Twitter, even though I do not post on IG. Thanks for listening.